0: Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. It's really great to be here. Thank you, Chris.
0: Absolutely. So first of all, what have you been up to since the special election wrapped up in the summer?
1: Well, uh, you know, I I kind of took a little time to myself because quite honestly, I was campaigning for almost two years, not because I wanted to, but that's just the way things worked out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I took a little bit of time off. I have been working, you know, with people interested in the saltwater canal system and swale system. And I've been talking to a lot of people, but not quite as out there and, and as
0: active as I was in the past. Mm-hmm. So you mean like the, like the C section canals, C
1: section canals, the saltwater canal
0: system. Yeah. What's the story in those? Cause I hear a lot of people saying like they're overdue to be um, dredged or something. And I'm not. Terribly well, well, you know, that
1: it's interesting. And, uh, uh, I, I believe there's going to be something on the agenda for this coming Tuesday's, uh, City Council meeting.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: But the the truth of the matter is that initially Palm Coast was set up with these canals already dug, and the canals were the amenity that sold Palm Coast. I mean, that's where everybody was brought to first. Mm -hmm. When I moved here in 1983, there wasn't a bridge over 95 to come out to the west side or anything like that. It was concentrated in that area. Mm -hmm. The canal system, according to the city, is part of the strategic stormwater drainage system. So a large portion of our freshwater canals and ponds and swales and all of that drain into either the ICW or the canal system. Mm -hmm. And what has happened, the the last time I remember them being dredged was sometime in the eighties. I I don't remember the exact date, but it's, you know, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Back then uh, the main canals were 12 feet deep on average. And the finger canals were about eight feet deep on average. Um, but the siltation issue as time has gone on, the main canals in a lot of places now at low tide, let's say are four to six feet deep and the finger canals, some of them, the ends of them go dry at low tide. So we have a siltation issue. And the problem with it is that a lot of the culverts and so forth that are draining into the butt ends of these finger canals are under the silt. So when you get a flood and it goes into your culvert system and whatever, and then tries to drain into the canal system, it can't get there. And so we need canal maintenance and and dredging is one of those maintenance. And a lot of people say, well, this is a boating issue, but it's not a boating issue. It's a transfer of water issue. And, uh, you know, but if you look at it as a boating issue, the saltwater canals are the largest amenity in Palm Coast. And there is no budget line for maintenance on them, nothing. And so we have a dredging budget for the freshwater canals. We have a dredging budget for all of the soils and so forth like that. But there is no budget to maintain the saltwater canal. So it's it's a it's an area that's sort of been left out. And the property taxes for Palm Coast, for for incorporated Palm Coast, the highest level of property taxes are collected off of the, the canal system. It, part of it's, most of it's in the C section, part of it's in the F section. So I don't want to leave the F section out. True. And so uh, if we don't maintain those canals, we're going to start to lose property values as they silt up more. There's people, you know, I, I don't want to use it as a boat amenity docking issue, but there are boats on people's docks on their lifts that at, at uh, low tide Can't get the boat off the lift. Now, is that a city issue or an issue for the person that owns the boat? It's a little bit of both because the canals aren't being maintained. And when they're not maintained, the property value drops. And when the property value drops, then the revenue stream from property taxes drops, and it's a, you know, it's a a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. What I would like to see is the city get together and make a line item for the budget and start putting money aside, search for grants and so forth. And at some time in the future, be able to dredge out the canals before it gets to a point where they're not navigable and property property values
0: drop now i so i didn't i didn't live here uh in the 80s and their last It actually wasn't alive so what, <laughs> <Thanks>. uh, <laughs> what um what does that like physically entail is that like basically like dragging it's a through? it's a
1: think about well for this our canals are you know, they're not that huge. So think of a small barge with with like a, a type of a backhoe or a suction dredge on it that blows water or I shouldn't say blows water, sucks water with the mud up onto another barge or the backhoe, you know, lifts it up and puts it on another barge. And then it's brought someplace to a, a, what they call a spoils island or a spoils pit where they then dump it to let it dry out over
0: so, so they're they're literally taking mud and sediment out, out. of the canal. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I thought maybe they were like dr- just kind of carving.
1: No, like they go a... and take it right out. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, we have damaged seawalls and stuff and that you can't dredge it because the seawalls are. They only dredge the center. So right. then the, the mud or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. seeks from the sides to the center. And then you have a, a, a relatively average
0: depth mm-hmm. to
1: the canal over time.
0: Who, um, who in practice does this? Are there any, like, local um, not, not, firms? Not locally, per se,
1: but in the state of Florida, there are firms that, that uh, in fact, um, over by what is now called the Channel, which used to be the Palm Coast Yacht Club, uh, they had a, a, a uh, it was a flood and a, and a partial seawall break years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, not too many years ago, because Matt Morton was city manager at the time. Mm -hmm. And they hired one of these dredging companies to come in and they they had to pull that silt that fell into the canal there out. And uh, I believe they did it with a backhoe, although I'm not 100% sure. So there are companies around that can do the dredging. The problem is there's never been a budget set aside to do the work.
0: Okay. And that's going to be on the agenda for this Tuesday because I haven't seen it I,
1: I heard I haven't seen the agenda either, but I heard that it's actually going to be a discussion for, for a survey to go out to discuss dredging okay. the canals. But interestingly, there shouldn't be a survey. This shouldn't be an issue because we pay uh, or property owners pay into the stormwater drainage system fund, stormwater fund. Uh, we, we pay into it. And right now the money is being used for the dredging the freshwater canals and and all of that, but nothing for the saltwater. So I don't know why they need a survey, because this is an integral part of the stormwater drainage system. So really, it's their responsibility as a city to maintain that, not as an amenity, although it is the largest amenity in the city, 25 or 26 miles of saltwater canal. But it is a part of the, the drainage system. It's, it's uh, an issue of property taxes and it's an issue that really needs to be maintained. Who dredges the freshwater ones? City. The city does that? Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I've seen the, the vehicles out dredging, what's it, backhoes that, I mean, they're not really that big. They just backhoe from the, the banks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I may have misspoke. I don't know if it's the city that actually owns the backhoe that, that they're doing the dredging with, or if they hire a small company to come
0: and do it. Okay. So I'm wondering, like, is it, possible to do it with the same equipment that does the freshwater ones. Well, The size or maybe the fact yeah. that saltwater. The
1: salt water is probably I don't know that somebody that does freshwater would not ne- necessarily want to put their backhoe into saltwater.
0: It, yeah. You know,
1: uh and I don't know that they're gonna do it through a backhoe or if they're gonna do it through a suction dredge or whatever. When when they renourish our beaches, they use a, a massive suction dredge offshore and then the uh the effluent pipe if you will ends up on our beach and they're sucking the sand from offshore blowing it onto the beach. And so that's a, a large suction dredge. And I think that's more of the, the
0: technology for a large project than, than a backhoe. Okay. Well, that's super interesting. So you you mentioned a minute ago you've lived here since 1983, mm-hmm. you said? Yeah. So you were here 16 years before it was incorporated as a city. Yes. How are, How is Palm Coast life different pre-incorporation compared to post-incorporation?
1: Well, under, under ITT, International Telephone and Telegraph, which are the people that began Palm Coast, um, it it was a a, a community development district back then. And, uh, and the, the county was the seat of government that, that, you know, oversaw what was going on with ITT in Palm Coast. And so, There was a lot of friction between ITT and Palm Coast, uh, ITT and uh, the county back then, because you know ITT had its plans, the county had its plans, and things got in the way, and uh, there was a lot of friction. When it became a city, which you know, roughly twenty years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't necessarily know that that friction completely went away, but what I've noticed is there hasn't been a lot of bridge building, if you will, between the Palm Coast city government and the county government. They talk, but there's not a lot of hand-holding, you know, uh, of sharing of projects and and so forth like that. I would really love to see not not only Palm Coast, but, you know, we have municipalities around us. We have Bunnell, we have Flagler Beach, we have Marineland. Why not get everybody together at the same table? And if we have mutual projects, work them out together instead of you know, Palm Coast does this one, but you can only go to this border because you know the other municipality doesn't want whatever, or the other municipality is doing something. In Palm Coast, let's work together and build this bridge and build the the county up. I mean, let's look at economic development, for instance. You know, Palm Coast is very poor in bringing in larger companies, and the and there's plenty of land in Bunnell, and there's land all around in the unincorporated areas, and the county has land. Why shouldn't we work with them to bring companies in? I mean, if you have to travel to Bunnell, for instance, uh, to for a larger company to come in to have a job. Who cares if you got to go to Bunnell, where you go north on Route One or whatever? You know, it's it, it doesn't matter. But we should be working together on that, and I don't see a lot of that happening.
0: You know, I have to throw in there because it's tragic how few people know this. Bunnell is the second largest geographic city in the state of Florida,
1: next to Jacksonville.
0: Next to Jacksonville, yeah. and it's I, I was stunned to find that out. But there's so much country out there, yeah. and you know, potentially could fit you know a couple big warehouses or something. Yeah.
1: There's no reason why we shouldn't be working together to do that because I mean, look at this right now we have approximately, and and this number may be a little bit old, but approximately 2,500 home units, uh, in developments and so forth that have been approved, not necessarily the building of each individual unit, but you know, a a track of land that can hold X amount of houses. These have been approved It's roughly 2,500, if you had say that there's an average of two people in a house, that's 5,000 people that will eventually move here. If you say maybe 10% of those are completely retired people that don't need a job, you know, we're down to 4,500 people that need a job. Where is 4,500 people going to work? Right. Those jobs don't exist. Mm-hmm. So we're building a lot of places to bring a lot of people in, but we're not concentrating on the other end of where we're going to work. And, and let's face it, you know, uh The lower end jobs like, you know, McDonald's or or a barista at Starbucks and things like that. Nothing against those jobs, but those aren't jobs that are going to pay for a mortgage on a house. We need to look at, you know,
0: different aspects. Mm -hmm. So um, you brought up uh, having the different municipalities meet together, maybe like a a town hall or something might be good.
1: Well, you know, they do meet together, let's say, to, to, you know, just... They have lunches together sometimes, right. but we need some serious, yeah, town hall series we where we have an agenda and we say, you know what, we'd like, we, you know, let's say Bunnell identifies a piece of property that they would like to uh, have some company, but we don't have a company yet identified to go there. And, you know, we got railroad tracks out there. We can put spurs on them and bring in big company. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can do. So let's set up an agenda to sit down as joint municipalities and work this out and bring in a company that's that can bring some really good paying jobs. I don't know what that company would be, but we will never find out if we don't set up a think tank and start doing it.
0: Yeah, I would come. I would cover it.
1: Sure, it yeah. would be great.
0: Where they should probably do it is you brought up Marine Land. I think they should do it at Marine Land. So if people are getting too frustrated by the workings of government, there's dolphins.
1: <laughs> so up. I used to work out there before they they changed the system. So yeah, it, it, it I, actually Marineland is a you know a little known secret that we have here in Palm Coast. It's got some really
0: great stuff out there. You like worked out Marineland, like the, the park?
1: In the in the old days there was a rectangular tank and a circular tank. The the circular tank, if you remember in the old pictures, had the it was actually an upside down bucket from an electric truck that held upside down that really? uh, the guy would stand in and feed the 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 dolphins and the dolphins oh. would jump up and everything on a big circular tank. Mm-hmm. Next to that circular tank, there was a big rectangular tank that was like an aquarium and you could go underneath and look in through little portholes or you could look in through the top. Uh, oddly enough, the, the circular tank was called the circ tank and the rectangular tank was called the rec tank. <laughs> and in the rectangular, rectangular tank, you could go scuba diving and snorkeling really uh and i'm a uh master scuba diver trainer and so i was then hired out marine land to run the scuba diving portion and i would bring people into the tank and we would dive around not with the dolphins but with the fish and the turtles and so forth that used to be those tanks are gone now but yeah. in those tanks it, w- it was fun it was really cool
0: i remember when i was a kid um i went to Bennell elementary when uh like early 2000s and um we went on like a couple of field trips to Marine Land when it was, I think, different than different than what it is now. Well, that, the Cirque Tank been and the Rec
1: Tank were there back then.
0: Yeah, so you probably I, saw those. Probably, and I think now it's mostly like a dolphin. It's attraction. a dolphin adventure
1: now. Do you yeah. have anything else? I think that they have a, a, a room area where you can go and look at some smaller aquariums. No big, huge aquarium like that yeah, tank like, was back like then. Sea urchins yeah. and things,
0: things like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe turtles or something.
1: I don't think they. Well, I think across the street at Whitney Labs, they might have a turtle turtle rescue, but I don't think they have turtles at
0: Marineland. anymore. For a minute there, the Georgia Aquarium. Uh, they, yes, it. they
1: were yes, they were involved. Uh, the the previous owner Jim Jacoby, who owned Marine, was the last owner of Marineland, sold it to uh, the interests in Georgia Aquarium.
0: Okay, I actually got to visit the main Georgia Aquarium uh, last or a couple. About a month and a half ago now, have you ever, have you ever been? No, there? I, I want to go up there because you can oh, scuba dive in the tank yeah. with
1: the with the uh, the, whale sharks, uh, the whale shark, the
0: whale shark, the I saw people doing that, and I thought, oh, by the time I come back here, I need to be able to do that. It <laughs> well, was, I can teach you. There you go. It was, um, and they they, they looked like they were having so much fun. Like a whale shark almost like bumped into one of them at one point. I thought, yeah, like but oh, they're, they're very tame. They, they oh yeah, uh, krill. They don't you know. They don't. Oh yeah, they're not. People. They're not dangerous at all. Not at all. I bet it would still feel like getting hit well, by a like, truck. Oh, I mean, it, you. it, you're,
1: you're scuba diving with a
0: school bus. I mean, they're that's yeah. that they're that big. So yeah, yeah it would. Be. I couldn't believe how big the manta rays were in there. They're huge. Like I knew they were big, and I probably oh, read right. the numbers, but oh my god!
1: You know, a, a few years, actually, a lot of years ago now, uh, there used to be a restaurant in Flagler Beach called Elfie's, which was up by where Martin's is now, if I remember right. But it's a lot of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and they had the big plate glass window and you could look out at the the ocean and so forth. And I was sitting there looking out and I saw this big giant black thing come out of the water. And I thought it was a whale tail because I I caught it real quick. So I ran outside because I wanted to go see the whale. Right.
0: Yeah. And it
1: jumped again and it was a manta ray. And it was probably, you know, 15 feet from tip to tip on the, uh, on the wingspan. Of I mean, they're huge. They're absolutely huge.
0: That's incredible. I I've noticed if you hang out on the Flagler pier long enough, like I've gone early mornings to fish some days, like you will see stingrays and usually some pretty big ones. Oh yeah. Not even always manta rays, but just big rays going by yeah, there.
1: There's a lot of wildlife that we have off. Well, we have the Gulf stream running not too far offshore. So it brings up a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. I saw my first wild manta ray pretty recently on the, um, I guess it's the Matanzas River. It connects to Matanzas Mm Inlet. I was out there fishing probably a little bit north of Marineland. I don't want to give away my spot. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do that. It's a good spot. But I was fishing there, and um, I saw one jump for the first time.
1: It's incredible, isn't it?
0: I could not believe it. And I, 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 I didn't know they went upriver which it wasn't that far upriver. Yeah. From the inlet, well, they don't still. usually.
1: So yeah, that w- that was a, a rare sight.
0: And I texted, uh, you know, Adam Morley, mm-hmm. the, he's a, yeah. a, a fishing guy out there. He owns, um, Janung's fish camp for the listeners. I texted him real quick. It's like, do you see manta rays out here? He's like, Oh yeah. All the time.
1: It's like, oh, he sees them all the time. He there? says wow. he sees them
0: pretty often. Oh, that's said. cool. And it was like a magical experience to yeah, me. It really is. And they're loud too. And they have the water. It seems like 50 feet away, at least like, Heard that, thing, that smack, <laughs> but um, that's yeah one of my favorite things about Flagler County is there's so much. Oh, we have yeah
1: there. we. I mean, it's a beautiful place. We have what, well, to be honest with you, we're the diamond in the rough left left in Florida, and that's why there's a lot of development that wants to come here. We have everything. We have golf courses. We have beaches. We're not far from Disney. We have St. Augustine right to the north. We have shopping. This is the place to be.
0: Pickleball. I'm not gonna get into that. Pickleball. <laughs> I had to make a joke. <laughs> But um Princess Place also, I think yes. that that's one I, I simultaneously like I wish more people knew about it. And I also don't want it to give too You don't crowded. want to give
1: away the secret. <laughs> yeah.
0: It gets real crowded for the creekside festival every year. Yeah. But you go in there, it's like, you know, you see the boar, armadillo. Well the deer. first swimming
1: pool in, in Florida is there.
0: hmm And it yeah. smells great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. First below ground, yeah. It's a, not quite in um swimming shape anymore but it's still uh, really it's a cool few years at. old now the tennis courts are a little out of um out of service too yeah well. but uh that's just one of my favorite i i did recently a little article on the site where i put together 40 things to be thankful for in flagler county and princess place it's like a shoe in oh yeah you gotta have yeah. it on there and if anyone listening has not visited you you're giving away your secret now <laughs> it's worth it yeah it, it really it's is. worth it to get people out there so um Shifting gears back a little bit to to politics, which we don't have to do for too long. I don't know. Do you the question? Probably I think a lot of people are wondering, do you have plans to run for any seat in the 2022 elections at the moment? I can neither
1: confirm nor deny. Mm,
0: Okay. All right. So keeping my interest in that. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Could be opportunities to, uh, to stay involved. at yes. least.
1: And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, some people have said to me, well, you ran twice, you lost twice, you're done. Well, remember the old saying, uh, if at first you don't, you succeed, don't succeed, try, try again. Yeah. You know, I think I have good things to offer the city, whether I run again or not, or do it from the, the background right now. That's that remains to be seen.
0: I'll say this, you you came relatively close both times. Both times, yeah. So it's not like you came in and pulled 3%. I
1: didn't, you know, I I wasn't able to match the money spent.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, a lot of money was spent to beat me and uh, I couldn't match the money. Whether or not that had something to do with it, you know, I didn't run TV commercials uh, and things like that, which cost a lot of money, you Hmm. know. And of course, you know, there was the giant smear campaigns and things like that.
0: I w- I've always wanted to sponsor a race car for the site when they come to Daytona. <laughs> that would be cool. I try to get Joey, my editor, it's like, hey, can we, can we look into this at one point? And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's expensive too.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you know, racing is uh, a big boy sport. You know, $100,000 for an engine that, th- th- that lasts one race. Yeah, I-, no. I heard
0: a saying once, it's like um, the easiest way. To get a small fortune racing NASCARs, to start with a large fortune. Yeah,
1: we used to say that about you know. I used to own a scuba shop here in town, and the same thing with that. If you want to make a million dollars in a scuba shop,
0: scuba shop, start with three million. <laughs> <laughs> same, uh, same principle. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how did you get into scuba diving? Also, how did I? How, how long have you been doing
1: it? 1985. I was certified.
0: Okay, where did you learn around here? Daytona. Yeah, well, um, yeah. in the ocean.
1: No, uh, my initial classes were all at, at Alexander Springs over in the Ocala National Forest. Yeah,
0: okay. I was just looking at pictures from there uh, there today. One of the best little springs. Oh, the the water in Alexander Springs
1: is it's it's if you're one of the first ones in the water in the morning, if you have your head above water and you know how far you can see in the air, and you stick your head underwater, you can see just about the same. It's it's wow it it it's fantastically clear water of course then when a lot of people get in and stir it up you lose that but it's a it's a wonderful yeah.
0: spring i actually just went um i went snorkeling in the keys about a month ago and um i was down down in key largo you ever been to like john Pennicam? Mm-hmm. and um just from the from the shore and there was it was a little bit a little bit of sediment kicked up because it was like a little bit of a choppy day and um, so but, but still decent visibility. Like maybe the length of this room I could see mm-hmm. in the water and I'm just kind of like looking and I'm all I'm seeing is like snapper and grunt and stuff. And then all of a sudden I like turn my head to the left and all this, this enormous manatee had snuck up on me <laughs> and I always used to, um, laugh. At, have you seen that video, that spring break tourist in Florida who sees the manatee and she's just like completely freaking out? No, I haven't seen that. They're on they're on some river and she sees a manatee next to her and she's like, oh my god, it's a <laughs> sea monster. And I always laughed at that. And then I realized being snuck up on by basically a, like a rhinoceros yeah. in the yeah. water, that that that's actually spookier than, than people would think.
1: When when I used to teach at uh, scuba diving at Blue Springs, just down the road here, basically,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the manatees would come in. Now, this was before they would close the park when manatees came in. This was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would sit in a semicircle on the bottom when you're teaching. And, you know, the, the students would be in a little semicircle and everything. And your fins would kick kick up the bottom. So the manatees would come to you know, pick through what you were kicking up and see if there was any algae or whatever to eat. And sometimes they would bump into the students and lay, I mean, it, it was, it, you weren't allowed to touch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can over on the other side of the state of crystal river, but here you can't touch them. But if they come and bump into you, you know, whatever it was, they're just amazingly cool animals and yeah. they'll roll over, you know, to scratch their bellies and stuff, just like a puppy does. Yeah. Yeah. They're really
0: cool animals. I wish I had not been so freaked out by that lungs I just, like, swam away. Well,
1: you don't want to touch it, and you're not allowed to interact with it. So I, I wouldn't have
0: done it. If there was a play. game
1: warden watching, you'd have been in trouble. Now, the way to do it if, is to go over to Crystal River on the other side of the state, go with one of the shops over there, and then you can interact with them. And it's it's yeah. an amazing experience. I just wish I would have watched it, though. So, oh, yeah.
0: I, I felt like such a We have sanitizer. them
1: occasionally in our canals here.
0: Oh, I see. In Saltwater Canals, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen videos of people. Like, if someone's, like, like I don't know, washing like I don't know, washing a fish or something or doing something where they're kind of like there's like a water right yeah fresh water top. or something. Yeah. The manatees like come up and drink it. Yeah. That's, yeah that's that's true. really cool to see. Um at that same spot, the fishing spot I've seen you see manatees go by. Actually there's you see manatees, dolphins and even sea turtles will come like right up by the shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, like stick their head out and look. <laughs> It's um
1: it's amazing. I mean we have so much diversity here. It's it's really incredible.
0: The inlet especially. Yeah. It's worth the drive up there. It's one probably one of the best swim spots in uh in the area that isn't like the beach with all the, you know, the waves going on. Right. And um and there's incredible biodiversity. Yeah. It's yeah. true. I'm a big fan of it. So Moving back to sh- so shifting gears to politics for a second, okay. keep getting off that, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you um, definitely have had some of the most vocal and passionate supporters of any local campaign in Flagler County in the last few years. Why do you think that is, and can there be any drawbacks to that? Well, I think
1: one of the reasons that that I have such impassioned people is just the general state of you know the division in politics. Unfortunately, right now on a federal level, that people just want to be heard, and you know, I have to say, I think I'm one of the few uh, uh, few candidates that walked around, talked to people. I went to all the events, I listened to people. If somebody called me, I'd go to their house, I'd talk to them, just interacting all the time with the people, and uh, I think that resonated with people. Drawbacks, yes, because you know. You get some people that are over vocal, shall we say. (laughs) And, uh, you know, sometimes that can be a deterrent, but, you know, you represent everybody. So you can't pick and choose who you want to represent or who wants to, you know, be associated with you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So you got to represent everybody.
0: Yeah. And I I think you're right about having people feel heard and and represented in a campaign. It seems like the most, the ones you know, it's not always the winning campaign, but the ones that seem to make the most headway over the course of an election are the ones that are the most connected to the grassroots. And that applies to either either side that they're oh, running sure. on, which which shows how um widespread of a problem that it is. It's not one yeah. party or the other feeling disenfranchised. It's right. it's really both.
1: And and you know, the when you go up to city council, let's say and you go up to the podium and you have your three minutes, you know, and I've said it I've seen you there. I, you know, we've sat at a lot of city council meetings. And and I would encourage everybody to go to city council meetings because people Definitely. really need to know what's going on and, and how it works. But when you go there and you get up there for your three minutes, a lot of people feel like when they walk away from the podium, whatever they just said evaporates into the ether and is really not taken seriously. And they want to be heard. They want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I resonated for uh, resonated with a lot of people because, you know, I let them be heard. Mm-hmm. And if I uh, had become mayor when I was running for mayor, I would have let them be heard and I would respond. I would go to see whatever it was they were talking about. And if I were to run again for another office, if I would do the same thing. See, if, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, that's one thing I think um, Mayor Alvin has been good at, but especially um, Eddie Branchino when he was serving as interim mayor. One thing I heard a lot of people say they appreciated about him was after public comments, he would typically verbally address. I think everyone who had spoken, or at least every topic. Like if there were two Cimarron Drive concerns, right. so he would address right. it and make sure he got with every topic. And he'd say, "Come see me after." And but but one of the things, and and you know, I live over by Cimarron
1: Drive. I don't live on Simran Drive. I live yeah. off one of the finger roads off of it. But one of the things that that people feel like. Yes, I, I agree. Eddie Branchino spoke to people. Elfin speaks to people, you know, after their their time, answers some questions as best you can in the small amount of time that you have to do it. Right. Uh, but what's the follow up? And that's where things seem to break down. And. A lot of people want to see something happen now, and they forget that the wheels of government you know, almost turn in reverse. They're so slow. Mm-hmm. But people want to see action to their complaints. And that's why when you looked at the Simron Drive issue, there were groups of people coming in, not just one guy or two oh, yeah. guys. There are groups of people coming in because it's a big concern to them. Uh,
0: and not much has been done yet. And you can still set your clock. There's pretty much... Um at least one or two at every council meeting, yeah. make public comment about Cimarron. And I will say it seems like from what I've heard from them, they're at least getting a dialogue. If nothing, well, yeah. If and that's the broken yet. That's yeah. the start. And, um, but
1: you know, the issue with Cimarron is in order to put in a sidewalk or, or expand a little bit out for bikeways or walkways or whatever, mm-hmm. you got to carve into somebody's yard. Right. And, even though the city owns an easement at the front of the yards, not everybody's thrilled out of their mind about having, you know, something expand into their, into their yard. Cause they get into
0: property value. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. And not that I'm discouraging that because right. we need to have a solution. The problem is you got to try to please everybody and you'll never please everybody.
0: Yeah. And I think what can be learned from the fact that, the the people on Cimarron Drive have at least had some good things to say about the dialogue. Is it's not happening overnight for them, but it would take even longer if they didn't show up and say anything. Oh yeah, yeah. And that is a, a good reason why anyone in the community, if if they have a concern in their area, if something that's bothering them, it's definitely worth it to show up well, to meetings. Uh, you know if you have a city council. Yeah. Well,
1: if you, you have a city council sitting there and there's an issue and nobody shows up to bring up the issue. What you know?
0: Because I, I think you can honestly say about all five people on the dais, whether whatever your overarching opinion of the person would be, is I think all five of them, when they hear a concern, want to do something in their oh, power yeah. to it. But that's
1: what I'm saying. They have to know the concern exists so exactly in order to tackle it. If you don't know there's a problem, you can't fix the problem. And if one person comes up occasionally to talk about a problem. It doesn't become a priority. But if you've got yeah. 30 people coming up consistently to talk about a particular issue, it gets noticed.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: and that's what you have absolutely. to do. And that's why people need to start coming to these city council meetings. They need to be able to sit there, figure out how the government works, and then work the system, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And then for people listening, too, there's there's one meeting at the beginning of the month that's at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. if you work. And uh, if mornings are better for you, there's more than one during the month that are at 9 a.m.
1: Well, the second Tuesday of the month is a workshop at 9 a.m. And the third Tuesday of the month is a city council business meeting
0: at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm.
1: And there's some people that say maybe they should all be moved to the evening so that more people can uh, you know, come to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer to that question is.
0: I think I think maybe it might be good to have them at different times each month because that way, no matter what, if a person has the same schedule, they theoretically we would at least be able to make it to one of them yeah and that's yeah. but obviously i'm not a planner that's just you know yeah well, and, but they're
1: they're i mean i hear that complaint all the time why aren't they at night because we can't go during the work uh, during yeah. you know we have to work so i think you know maybe a, maybe a, an alternating schedule is a way to work around it the, don't know the, it's good i good idea though i like that
0: yeah and uh, they're also, they're streamed too. The business meetings are, um, I think they're working on getting the workshops. They're, they're at least talking about it. Right. The logistics of how to do it because Councilman Ed Danko brought that up a couple times yeah. over the the
1: months. Of well, the video announced. cameras are there. All you have to do is hit the on switch.
0: Yeah. And they're talking about moving the workshops back over to the, the side table. Um, right. At one end of right. the room. Not and make then, it so
1: staunch, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And then having the cameras turn to that. But the business meetings are all... Already on YouTube, it's really easy yeah. to type in "City of Palm Coast YouTube." I can go
1: back and look at any one of them.
0: Yep, and see if you can't make it. See what's been talked about. You know, you can come to the next one and address it and give your input. And you and can it.
1: send emails in if you have an issue yeah. and you've watched it off a, a one of the you know videotape meetings. Then send in an email and,
0: and voice your concern. they all read their email. They mm-hmm. all get it. Yeah. Well, I can't say they all read it, but they all get it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's um, really the great thing about living in a city that's not too terribly massive yet, at least, is there, there's still enough um, community relationship between the elected officials and the citizens where you will have the opportunity to be heard. And you can see
1: them around town and you oh, know, yeah. everybody. It, it's a nice thing. It's not like a secluded area that. It's 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 really a nice open community.
0: Yeah, I've seen the man cave truck a couple times. <laughs> Victor's truck, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Victor's truck, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the every time I see a Tesla, I'm like looking. Is that in there? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do the same thing. Yeah, I look for the white
1: interior because his is. Uh, I don't know if he's changed it because I think he got a new one. But his old one,
0: he got a new one with a black interior. Is it a black
1: interior? Well, yeah. that's probably why I'm not seeing it now. I always look to see if it has a white interior. A white
0: white one with a white interior was the old one. Yeah, it was yeah because he let me kind of like look inside both of them. And, um, I always look, but there's like more Teslas now in Palm Coast. Yeah. I've
1: seen them all over the place. Yeah. Those yeah. things are
0: fun to drive too. Those you drove cool. one? I got to drive one. Yeah. they're Really? Really, really fun. And they're still like a little on the pricier side coming yeah. down. I don't want to be one of those Elon Musk people that like <laughs> has to defend every single thing he does and gets no. way too far into it. But Teslas are pretty dang cool. I got <laughs> to admit. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, as we as we land the plane, um, I know we, we touched on it a little bit, but um, not everyone is going to run for office in their town. Not every community driven person is going to take that step because, as as you know more than anyone, it's exhausting. It's, no, it's um,
1: exhausting. It's expensive, and you have to have thick skin.
0: Yeah, and that's not. It's not going to be for everyone. No. So, what are some of the ways that people who care about advocacy and care about improving their community can get involved? And make their, their city and community better. Place. Well,
1: I mean, let's we we touched on the topic of the saltwater canal. So let's use that as an example. If you are a person that doesn't want to get into politics and so forth, if you're smart, uh, <laughs> <laughs> get into a you know start a community group about a particular issue. For instance, you know a community group about the saltwater canals, which does mm-hmm. exist. And, you know, you can, you can do research. You can, you know, help them by digging up information on other cities that have canals, that do dredging, get pricing put together, and then put together talking points with this group. Pick somebody that's going to be, you know, the good speakers. And then go to city council meetings and have your agenda set up so that you can approach the podium. You've got your three minutes and five or six of you or whatever come up and you you know the first one hits the set of points, set of points, set of points, and you just repeat that over and over. And so you can get really involved in the community by being in a community group that goes forward and, and changes things. You don't have to be in politics to do it.
0: Yeah. And it's really easy now in the age of social media to do oh, that. Yeah. Connect. I think every... Every letter street section, probably in Palm Coast, has a Facebook group you can yes. join. And you can, if you go in there and say, Hey, people are um, speeding down this road a lot, and my kids are out here at the bus stop. And then you can have other people comment and say, Yeah, I've noticed that too. And then maybe you get enough people and you start. Right. And you, you start. You have exactly. formed a group that can potentially get some action done on it. Right. That.
1: And it's, it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no reason not to do it. So if you don't want to get into politics, get into a community concern.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I mean, I've always said I think social media is very—you can be very toxic if not used in a healthy way, but it can also be used to um, enact change at the quickest rate we've ever had available. To oh, us. I mean, you
1: can get information out to so many people instantly through social media, especially if you do a boost. I mean, a hundred bucks uh, if you have an issue and, and uh, a group and they want to, you know contact a large number of other people for a hundred bucks. You can hit like 30,000 people in Palm coast.
0: Oh yeah. It's,
1: I mean, it's simple to get to everybody or was, a large group of
0: people. It was really effective with our, our Facebook page for ask Flagler. that was our, I biggest... still see
1: your signs around town.
0: Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I got to fix a couple of those. Some of them are getting a little crooked, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really effective. I, I'm not trying to say you give Zuckerberg all your money, but um it's, well, no, I agree. It, it is effective.
1: It is effective. And that, and that's, that's why it's so useful. It's a marketing tool, mm-hmm. and it's useful.
0: And they tie in Instagram now too. Yeah, which I, I, I found was it was really effective for for our site is having uh, an Instagram presence because it was a little bit of an untapped lane for Flagler News. And because I think our crowd skews maybe a little bit younger than the other two. I'm not trying to bad mouth them, but I think ours. <laughs> I think no, I think ours is a touch. Yeah, I think is, you're right. Everyone involved in our site is under thirty five. So yeah, yeah, yeah. our audience kind of reflects that being on Instagram was really helpful for us. And so for, for really anything, uh, the way Facebook ties in Instagram can be really useful for getting that extra lane that you, um, and anything
1: you can do to get outside of your, we call it an echo chamber, right? You have your, your group of followers, but if you want more followers, yeah, preaching to the choir, exactly. You got to get outside of it and that's a great way to do it. Get people who
0: haven't heard about the issue yet, but who might agree when they hear it. Right, that's a great way to do it. Absolutely. So that pretty much brings us to the end of our interview. Are there any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Come to city council meetings. Maybe I'll get to see you there. I don't mean you, Chris, I mean whoever the you listeners know are. know I'm there. Get to yeah, see you there. Of course. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. I really do.